0: So most languages in history have had their um, bad words, their swear words. A lot. I'm not going to go through a list here on Sunday morning. Um, but one of, one of the interesting ones in, in ancient Rome, one of the bad words was was rex, was king. They didn't like the word king. There were seven kings of Rome, starting with with Romulus. Um, from Romulus and Remus fame, as we all know. Um, but the last one was his name was Lucius um, Tarquinius. And he was around, like, the 5th century or 6th century B.C. So, like, 525 to 509. He was the seventh king of Rome. And um, what happened was um, this, this incredible event where his son, he was, uh, Tarcinius was out to battle, and his son assaulted the daughter of another Roman uh, nobleman. And so the nobles, like, rose up and were like, well, we don't need a king. Like, what's, what is this going on? And, um, and they, they exiled him. They sent him out. Uh, the, the figure, the central figure in this plot was a guy named Lucius Brutus, who, if you remember from um, 11th grade uh, English, uh, was in <laughs> Julius Caesar, et Brute, was, was the same family name, was the same Brutus. And they had this oath that they were going to score called the Oath of Brutus to never have a king over them again. So Rome, for about 500 years, had, was a republic. They, called, they had consuls. They had two people elected every year who were ruled over him and that they have names and so this history goes back to it like 509 BC is the first consulship and it's all listed in the history and then it kind of veered into empire um, with Julius and, and Augustus but he was never named a king, the, the word king was never used, you, Romans never have kings, um, we have emperors we do not have kings, it's very important. Other places had kings. Kings was just a word, king was a word for a ruler and it was usually hereditary. But Romans do not have kings. Other ancient peoples, often like the Sumerians, had the, the king of kings, uh, which was, is shortened to shah. And there was a king of kings in Sumeria up until about 1976 when he was deposed. Um, that was the same shah as a shortening of king of kings. But this idea of, oh no, we're not, we're not like the other kings. We're just going to say we're the kingiest kings, that's how, we're different. Um, that from, you know, like everyone, all the kings, they just wanna be different from each other. There's, there's only so much territory or people or resources that you can hoard and eventually you have to start like building up these narratives and these traditions like, well, you know, you think you're a king. I am the king of kings. Well, I'm the king of the king of kings and so on and on and on. And the great, um, one of my favorites, I'll, I'll get done with classics in a second, but it's my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> there's this, this um, apocryphal line of Alexander the Great where it says like, and Alexander wept because there were no more nations to conquer. <laughs> <laughs> I think about that a lot, but this, this idea of a ruler, this idea of, of the authority that kings have um, and rulers have three important qualities. They have power, authority, and honor. And when you take one of those away, then they lose, they lose who they are. Today is Christ the King Sunday. It is is the last Sunday of the Christian year. Next week is the beginning of Advent, the beginning of a new new year. How are we to understand the kingship of Jesus Christ? I'm doing something I've never done before. I'm doing a sermon series that overlaps the new year, which is kind of, for liturgical nerds like me, I'm kind of like, whoa, I'm skating on (laughs) thin ice. But so this Sunday we're going to be talking about Christ the king on the cross. And next Sunday, we're going to talk about Christ the king in the manger and these two ideas of Christ's kingship. But but first, we need to understand what a king king does always justifies themselves. Or a queen, any royalty, any authority figure, their actions justify themselves. So what are some things that, that you think kings do or should do? This is an open question. Not everybody at once. <laughs> okay. Yes. Rule. That's one. Yes. All right, protect Lead, their armies. People. Lead armies, protect their people. Collect taxes. Collect taxes. <laughs> <laughs> moral. They should be moral. They knight people. All these kind of kingly things. Yes. They can have several girlfriends. They have, they have lots of mistresses. It's <laughs> what kings do. I, f- I found this list of. Um, I was, I was trying to find a list of, of what are the things, what are the proper things you should do if you visit the queen. Um, just the kind of... And so the first, the first one is do not touch yes. her oh, royal majesty. <laughs> yeah. Never do that. And that second one is don't show up empty-handed. <laughs> Always bring a gift if you're going to visit a monarch. Stand at attention when they enter. Don't be like slouching in your chair. It's like, oh, hey. <laughs> hey, Liz, how you doing? Um... <laughs> don't twiddle your thumb. <laughs> like, have, have something to say or something to do. Uh, five, don't ignore the dress code. If it's a black tie event, don't go in in a not black tie. Don't go in with a blue tie. It's the worst. Um, refer Six, refer to her as your majesty or ma'am as in ham, not mom as in Tom. <laughs> Seven, only speak if spoken to. And eight, don't eat before she does. Okay, I just like those. Uh, but the idea is, like, with royalty of any kind, with these authorities, there's a proper way to act. There's a proper way to follow. And when people stop following in that way, they're, they kind of lose their authority. How do we understand Jesus as a king? And I think one way we have to begin is by looking at this passage from Luke 23, is there's a lot of non-kingly things that happen in a row. And so this is the gospel reading that Jim read for us. The first, um, it says, When they arrived at the place called the Skull, they crucified him along with the criminals. The Skull, the um, Calvary, was right outside the old city of Jerusalem. This is not where kings were killed. This is not where kings were buried. Most often, kings were not executed. They were exiled. Kings and queens like to like live together, so it'd be someone would be deposed and they'd go live in the next kingdom and be like, gosh, I really miss my kingdom. And then that's what happened off and on and on. Um, kings were not killed like this. Kings were not common criminals. They weren't just, just put outside the city. Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they do. Kings had this kind of weird aspect of mercy, uh, they would forgive people as long as they swore never like to be um, be a part of their royal entourage, but they didn't forgive people for no reason. Jesus forgives before they've done anything. Forgive them for they don't know what they do. They drew lot, The soldiers drew lots as a way of dividing up his clothing. They, they, the clothing was, was, was worthless so it was shared. The king's clothing is, is the silks and the the purple, the rich purple that was almost impossible to find in the ancient world. It comes from these weird snails. Um, and so it would, be the most, it would be worth more than what those soldiers made in like five lifetimes. It would be one purple gown. And so they would not be dividing. They would be killing each other over, over the cloaks. They would not be dividing them, casting lots, rolling dice to see who gets it. The people were standing around watching. But the leader sneered at him saying, He saved others, let him save himself. If he really is the Christ. People don't challenge kings like that. That's not something they did. The soldiers mocked them. Mocked him. They came up to him offering him sour wine. They, they mocked. You don't mock kings. Those are people who do not live very long. Even if it's someone who's deposed the king, they don't like the old kings to be mocked because that takes away from their authority. And so they don't, they don't, that's not something that would be tolerated. And then the soldiers say, if you really are the king of the Jews, save yourself. Save yourself. They challenge him. They test him. There's this scene uh, in the movie Black Panther where... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, smooth transition. (laughs) And so, so the king of this fictitious country, Wakanda, is named T'Challa, and he's been kind of infiltrated by his kind of cousin, he doesn't realize at the time, named Eric Killmonger, which is not, not many things you're going to do in life if that's your name, but <laughs> they, have this, they have this kind of battle in the waterfall, and eventually it, it gets to the point where they realize Killmonger is going to win. And he goes, he's walking around and beating the guy up and say, Is this your king? T'Challa is lying on the floor. And kill mongers say, is this your king? He's humiliated. The child is humiliated. He's about to be kicked off a waterfall. He thought he was strong enough. He thought he was powerful enough. And he was not. Is this your king? I think that's what the soldiers are saying. Is this your king to the people? They're not talking to Jesus. They're talking to the people in the crowds. They're talking to the followers who came that day. They're talking to us today. Is this your king? He's humiliated. He's, you know, a crucifixion, they were completely stripped naked. They didn't have the nice little loincloth as we have on crucifixes. They were totally naked, um, exposed to the world. The king had no clothes. The emperor had no clothes. He was completely exposed. And he realized it. Is this your king? Is this your king? What makes a king? I already said authority power, and honor. But the authority that Jesus shows on that Friday is not the authority of Caesar or the authority of Herod or the authority of Queen Elizabeth. The power that he has that day is not the same authority. The honor that he has that day is not the same authority. They're all entirely inverted. They're all entirely inverted. And we see it. We see the ultimate kingship of Jesus on the cross and described by Paul in this letter to Colossians. And Paul goes into the, these details of how God's authority and kingship is revealed in this crucified crucified man. Paul, Paul says, the Son is the image of the invisible God. The one who is first over all creation. He rescued us from the control of darkness. He set us free. Because all things were created by him, all things, not just the things in the territory that they've conquered. All things that were created are under his authority. He's not fighting. There's not this kind of zero-sum fight to get, like, expand the border a few more feet this way or that way. All things were created through him. Both heavens and the earth, the things that are visible and the things that are invisible, not just what is in front of us, not just your houses or palaces or, or all the other, or the, the retinue that follows you. All things, invisible, invisible. Whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all were created by him and through him. So all the rulers, their authority comes from God. Through this man revealed, naked on the cross. He existed before all things and all things are held together. Through him, so all of creation emerges through him, but not just that; they are sustained by God. He is the head of the body of the church, who is the beginning, the one who was first born from among the dead, so that he might occupy the first place in everything. And this is this is the key, because all the fullness of God was pleased to live in him. So the fullness of the God who created everything is not revealed. And a king with a sword or a shield or a chariot or purple is revealed with with a man who was arrested and tried and beaten and crucified. He brought peace through his blood. Once you were alienated from God, Paul continues, and you were enemies from him. But now he has reconciled you By his physical body through death. In the olden days, when we just had kings, when a king died, it was like new king, saved as the old king. They'd just be a king. They had nothing to do with your lives. If you were a tailor on a street or if you worked in a mine, the king had nothing to do with you. The king only mattered if he called you to fight for them or if he taxed you. Those were the only ways it really mattered in your life for on and on, for centuries and centuries. And so countries would be taken over and the people who lived on the streets, 97% of the people who had no money, um, who lived day to day or farmed themselves, they didn't care who their king was. They didn't care if it was if they were under the king of France or the king of England or the king of Germany. It didn't matter to their lives. Their authority didn't come down to their life. The king revealed on the cross has given us the greatest gift of Mercy down to our core, has affected us and led us, given us the freedom to step into new life. The only thing that is impossible for God is for God to not be God's self. The only thing that is impossible for God is God to not be love. The kings, the kings constantly change the rules. A king decides whatever they want to do is what a king should do. It's like the great, the um, Richard Nixon line. If, if the president does it, it is not a crime. It is not illegal. That's it. If the president, if the president does it, it's not illegal. That's, thank you. Um, that's, that's how kings function. But we are offered something more. The full expression of Christ's kingship is not a crown or a sword, but his offering for us. And the full expression of the love God gives us, is not to just receive it as a gift, but to offer it to others. To offer it, that Christ's kingship is expressed not only on the cross, not only at worship and Sunday morning, but as we are sent from this place, as we see the face of Christ in our neighbors, as we see revealed the image of God in our neighbors, as we are given and received the authority that Christ offers to us, the authority that death has been defeated, the authority that new life is possible. The authority that our past does not define us. The authority that each of you is loved. That each of you is forgiven. The authority that even at our darkest moments, Christ is with us. That I have never met a king. just going to confess that. I've never met a king or anyone of royal blood. I don't believe. I think my father met Prince Philip at a meeting once. That's the closest I've ever come. I've also never had an experience that was like, this is kind of a royal experience um, that reminded me, like, I feel like royalty today. Uh, that's not something that is, that is often in common. But the experience of Christ on the cross is all too common in this world. The experience of suffering, of isolation, of brokenness. That in the darkest times of our lives, we can see clearly God's love for us. And not that it erases it, but that he stands with us. The The scars of the cross remain after the resurrection. The scars and hardships of this life are not erased, they are redeemed because the God who created everything did not see fit to stay away from us, but offered life to us. The power and authority of sacrificial love Offer to each of you without a price. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.